Hey there, Chapel Bell Curve listeners. Justin here. While Nathan is off in Atlanta preparing for the national championship game with the Redcoats, we are all eagerly here anticipating today's kickoff at 8 p.m. I have had the opportunity, though, in the meantime, and the pleasure, I would say, to occupy my time with a few interviews with friends of the podcast. You'll hear from a few different kinds of fans today, kinds that belong to different communities and generations. And while at first glance we all may look, sound, and feel different, as well as wear different colors, our hearts all belong to the same game at the end of the day. Our first caller is a newer fan that used the game to stay in touch with her family and continue to stay close while they were all so far apart. Our second caller is a lifelong dogs fan and data analyst out in Atlanta that enjoys stats just as much as Nathan and I. And our third caller grew up right outside of Tuscaloosa in the time of Bear Bryant and the rise of Alabama football. This is a format I've really enjoyed experimenting with over the last few weeks with the phone calls with Nathan and now expanding that to doing interviews with other people. Um, I hope you all really enjoy listening just as much as I enjoyed making it and Happy National Championship Day. Hope you guys enjoy. Go dogs. Hello. Hello. Hey, Justin. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? Good. How are you, man? Doing well. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Awesome. Okay. So, um, yeah, I wanted to sit down. Not really sit down. I guess we're both sitting already, (laughs) but... um, get you on the phone just to kind of talk about football a little bit. I think I told you a little bit about um, kind of what we're going for here. It's kind of experiential, just kind of talking about your experience with um, your favorite teams and uh, your favorite team too, um, pertaining to this game in particular, but really just going back and hearing what it's like to be a fan of a different team, which listeners will find out what team that is uh, as soon as you introduce yourself. So if you wanted to start real quick, just by introducing yourself, and um, cool. where you're from and what you do and all that kind of stuff and who you think is going to win the national championship game. Sure. Um, so I, my name is Shannon Vinson. Uh, I live and work in Athens, Georgia. I uh, work for a brewery there called Creature Comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I became, I started watching football um, probably around uh, 2013. Um I mean, I've been watching football my whole life against my will, sort of, um, but uh, knew all the rules way before before that time, but um, didn't really get into it until I, I moved to uh, New York City. So I'm from Dallas, Georgia. Uh, my dad is from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, his whole family is from uh, Alabama. All of them still live there, almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, uh, we pretty much watched every Alabama football game that was ever played um, and uh, was kind of like in the background of my entire uh, life. Yeah, just um, kind of the but B-roll I was never footage. really, a, yeah, what's that? Just kind of the B-roll footage of yeah. your life story. Yeah, highlights, uh, reruns, all that, all that good <laughs> stuff uh, growing up. But I was never really a fan <clears throat> growing up, I think, just because I don't know. I was like a girl into girly things and didn't really care about like football that much. Um, and so I, when I moved to New York City in 2013, um, watching uh, football just kind of became a way for me to keep in touch with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother uh, at the time was at UGA, and then another brother was uh, in high school still. So... We would watch 
they, you know, we would of course watch UGA football games um, and and Alabama football games. And um, during that time, I just started really loving football, um, specifically college football. I've never been super into the NFL professional yeah. football, um, but um, we would basically be texting each other on our family text message for like the entire game and it was just kind of a way for me to keep in touch with my family that was still in Georgia yeah um so that's how I became an actual fan of Alabama uh and like I said my brother was attending UGA so he uh obviously is a a UGA dog fan um and um, then my other brother got accepted to UGA as well so both my brother's are graduates of the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. so it's going to make for a very fun and interesting um, national championship game for us. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think uh, the last time I went to a football game was actually Alabama uh, versus Georgia uh-huh. back in 2015. The rainy day. Uh, yeah. It was pouring down rain, and uh, I was like trying not to pull for Alabama too much um, for my brother's sakes because mm-hmm. we were all going to the game together <laughs> and my cousin came over from Birmingham and my dad was there and we were like scalp- we tried to had to scalp a ticket and I had to act like a Georgia fan to get that ticket <laughs> um, cover up all my like houndstooth mm-hmm. skirt and everything um, and so we we pretty much dominated the whole game and I was, re- I did feel really bad for my brothers, um, but I was pretty happy to, to see Alabama play live and uh, watch them win. But that's yeah. the last football game I, I got to go to. That's exciting um, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the story on how I became an Alabama football fan. People are very confused by it because yeah. they know I am from Georgia. I grew up in Georgia and then lived in New York City for a few years, but that's that's kind of the backstory there. Yeah, so it's kind of tough to kind of connect those dots, but it makes sense. Um, while you're in New York, though, what was the best way to really, really watch the game? Did you have to, um, you figure it out on cable, or did you go to a favorite watering hole, or what was kind of the move? Yeah, absolutely. Going to a bar um, uh-huh. was definitely the best, the best way to do it. Uh, in New York City, when you're when you're living there, usually unless you have a large amount of money, um, you're <laughs> you live in a room and you watch Netflix on your laptop and mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, I didn't really have a TV while I was living there. So, um, the cool thing is that while I was living there, both of my brothers moved up there when I was there. Yeah. Um, one of the brothers that graduated from UGA moved up there, uh, the second year I was there. And then the third year, my youngest brother moved up for one year. And so we were able to go, to, uh, we went to Fourth Down in Williamsburg quite a few times okay. um, and watched football there. And uh, I can't remember the name. There was a, a bar in Greenpoint. I remember we uh, Alabama won against LSU. can't remember the name of the bar. Star something. Um, but uh, definitely watched a few games there. And uh, it was really fun having them there. Because they're, they're also Alabama fans as well. So. Okay. When when we when I watch a UGA game, I'm a I'm a Georgia fan, and when I, when I watch an Alabama game, I'm an Alabama fan. Yeah. Um, and that's the same for them. So uh, yeah, it's yeah. This tricky Monday though is, when they play each other. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, so 
you kind of talked through a bit of your enthusiasm and kind of your memories and all, and, and you, you've already really described your relationship. I really like that you have an enthusiasm and you have an emotional attachment to it instead, because a lot of people, when you say, well, you know, I could give you the face value question and just say like, why do you, what's important about football to you? But you've already kind of acknowledged that it is a lot more than that. Um, do you have any other really, like really tangible favorite memories that stick with you when you associate uh, how you associate with football and that sort of thing? Yeah, um, I think uh, I love how it fosters like a sense of community uh, with people, even just on a broader sense, like coming together as like fans of like the SEC for me. It's like, it's really awesome. Um, I have a really good memory. My mom was visiting once um, in when I lived in Brooklyn. My, both my brothers were living in Brooklyn at the same time, and uh, we actually had a friend who is from Scotland. Um, he's one of my good friends still to this day. Mm-hmm. But we went to Fourth Down in Williamsburg. My mom was visiting, um, and we were watching an Alabama game, and uh, my Scottish friend just, like, couldn't understand what was happening? the whole... <laughs> yeah, he was, like, we were trying to basically tell him the rules of the game while we were watching, which is, like, really hard to do because, like, you're rooting for your team. And he was confused by the apparel and like i remember one of the line linebackers had like a crop top and he was just totally confused by why his shirt was like cropped mm-hmm. um and he was just kind of confused by the rules um yeah. a lot so i just remember you know with my mom and brothers trying to walk him through you know <laughs> the rules of the game while he was completely distracted um, by the crop top. but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was it was something I'll, I'll, that's a conversation I'll never forget. It was really fun. Cool. So um, I know you're, you're a newer fan, so you're very much used to, like, the winning Alabama. Um, yes. And that's the world you live in, which is a beautiful thing to live in. I haven't myself. I, I became a Georgia fan really back in 2010, but it's my love of history sure. that has, you know, brought me to understand the pain that it, it, it is to be a Georgia fan. But mm-hmm. all that to say um, – what do you know and what have you heard or is how much are you hearing about this new narrative being pushed by sports media about um, Kirby Smart being the next Nick Saban or Georgia being the next Alabama or what do you know about sure. that and, and give me some of your opinions on that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously one of Alabama's strongest strengths is their defense and uh, Kirby Smart obviously was the defensive coordinator for Alabama for several years. So mm-hmm. uh, he knows that defenses, you know, win games. Yeah. And uh, I personally am am extremely happy for him. I I was when I heard that he was going to be taking over after Mark Rick, I was in, completely enthralled. Yeah. Um, just another kind of reason for me to like root for UGA, which I was already you know a fan back then. But mm-hmm. um, I think uh, Nick Saban, you know, he's uh, basically a legend, so yeah. there's that. But um, <laughs> he, he's, you know, he's getting older, and uh, I don't know. I I don't listen to a lot of sports media, honestly. Mm-hmm. I watch the games and I Google things every once in a while and read read some stuff online. But I, I'm not super into it, so I don't know what the people are saying as yeah. far as when he's retiring. But uh, I will, I will stick with Alabama's Nick. Thick and thin, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but if UGA starts 
starts winning more games, which they have, like I'm completely happy for them. Cool. I'm super excited to see what uh, Kirby Smart has done, how to change that, how he's changed the program in just one year um, to change the program around. It's it's been amazing to see. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, last question I got for you is kind of talking about how. A lot of UGA fans will, will talk about how choking in big games and not being able to win the big game, et cetera, et cetera, has mm -hmm. always been referred to as being, quote-unquote, so UGA. Um, is there anything in your experience that has become so Bama? Yes. Um, <laughs> they're mostly positive things. Yeah. It's uh, our defense, I think, uh, the last game they just came out against Clemson and absolutely dominated. Um, and that's just kind of been Alabama's thing, yeah. dominating defense, defensively. Um, also, uh, turning things around in the second half. We've always kind of been a second-half team. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I think that's a really good thing is that we can go into the locker room and I don't know what kind of magic or whatever <laughs> happens in there, but uh, it seems like we can come back out and turn things around, mm -hmm. make adjustments think that's really important um but you know UGA has also been able to do that obviously in the Oklahoma game that's been that was a huge thing um I don't know again just adjustments were made in, in the in the half at halftime the defense came out um and and really turned the whole game around and it was really impressive so it should make for a very interesting national championship game for sure absolutely I'm very excited um one last question actually I lied uh, is do you have a prediction for the score of the game? Oh man, that's a that's a hot seat question. That's real tough. Yeah, I imagine uh, with these two defenses, which I think if if UGA's defense comes out like they did in the second half of Oklahoma, which I think they will, I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring game. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to guess probably twenty seven to twenty. Alabama. Cool. I think it's a respectable <laughs> prediction. Awesome. Well, yeah. Shannon, um, thank you for taking time out of your trip. I know you're on the way to Charlotte, and uh, it's really awesome that you could take some time out of that to get on the phone with us. And um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Anytime you want to talk about football, I'm you, know where, down. you know where to find me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, have fun, cool. and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Roll tight. <laughs> It is also worth noting that immediately after this interview, Shannon texted me and said that she wished she had said roll dogs. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up? Not much. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Just getting ready for school to come back tomorrow. Yeah, you sound great. Cool. So you're good with a few minutes of talking about football? I'm ready. I'm always ready to talk about football. Um, what's really important about you and, and what I want to hear from you would be your stats uh, side and, and your sports mind about everything, uh, because that's what people come to our podcast for. But we're going to start with introducing yourself um, and everything. So if you would introduce yourself and talk to us about who you are, where you come from, and what is your tie to college football, and if you feel so inclined you can also include one of your maybe first memories or favorite memories about football. 
Sure. Um, so my name is Ryan Nelson. I am Justin's best man in his wedding. That's correct. We're best <laughs> and, um, I am actually a recent grad UJ. I just graduated uh, this last summer. Um, so I've very recently been a student. Um, and I always have loved sports in general. Um, I kind of just love all sports, even ones I don't know much about. I'm down to watch just because I like the competition of everything. Um, and my actual goal is to work in sports, probably baseball at some point. Um, so I spend a lot of free time just kind of learning about sports, learning more of the in-depth aspects of, you know, how these people run their sports teams. Um, but in college football, I'm more of just a fan. Um, you know, I like to follow the players and the coaches, but I don't go super hard into, you know, you know playbooks and yeah. – Teams and stuff. I'm, I just kind of like to sit down and watch people hit each other. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's a common that's thing between most fans. Georgia fan. Uh, my dad, a Georgia fan as well. He's a big fan of the podcast too. And yeah, he, he uh, raised me as a Georgia fan. Um, so I, even before I went to school there, I've always been a Georgia fan. Yeah. Um, but as far as first memories, um, as a kid, I liked to watch the games, but I didn't get too much into the players, even like who I was watching. I just Again, like to see people run into each other. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, my first real memory of a season to where I really followed the players and you know the storylines and everything was probably 2008. Uh-huh. Um, that was the year we had Matthew Stafford, no Sean Moreno, AJ Green. It was a good team. I think we actually came into the season ranked number one. Yep. Um, but then, of course, we Mark Richted it up and lost to Florida and Tech and probably other people. Yeah, that was, uh, for all intents and purposes, we should have won that season yeah but that was the first time that i you know watched every game and you know really got into the players and no Moreno was my favorite player and he actually i actually have a no Moreno autographed helmet in my room at my parents house still that's really awesome um but that was probably my first football memory that's really cool um i like to ask all of the uga fans out there and it's something we mentioned on the podcast a lot is um where were you when uh uga died in the 2012 uh, national championship. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I was in my dad's bedroom, Terry's bedroom, and I was watching the game on his TV. And I remember that last play of the game, I was sitting on. They have a little couch in their bedroom. And I was sitting on the couch watching the game, and as soon as that pass went up to, uh, I guess I was Conley, maybe. Is it was, uh, it was the was, last play of the Conley, game, right? It was Chris Conley or Malcolm Mitchell? Oh, I don't remember that. I can't remember. It was Chris Conley. The pass went up. When the pass went in the air, I jumped to my feet. And as soon as he fell down, I did too. And I was on the ground <laughs> on my knees because I couldn't believe. Because, you know, I was I was still in high school. So, you know, I was just a child. Yeah. And I was heartbroken. I, I could not believe it. It was probably the most heartbreaking sports moment of my young sports life at the time. And it might still be the number one. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, Falcons Super Bowl is pretty close, but I think the, I think the 12, 2012 SEC Championship was the most heartbreaking moment of my sports life. So, as it is for I most UGA fans. Um, yeah. So that kind of leads us into the next question. Really, is talking about the media-driven revenge tour, or it has been talked about by UGA as well. Um, but 
just kind of taking out revenge on all the teams that kind of deserve it. And I think that this this big game, this national championship game, is kind of a culmination of the the revengiest of tours, essentially. But does that narrative matter to you? Do you how do you feel about it? And do you think it's a long time coming? Is it about time or what? I love that storyline. Yeah, that's probably my favorite storyline because I think it's not made up by the media. I think it's real. Yeah, I think it's real. I, I think these players came back because they wanted to win at UGA. And I think the reason we've been winning is because those players came back. I mean, I think we would have been good without those five or six seniors that came back that would have gone to the NFL anyway, but I don't think we would have been this good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just love that, you know, pretty much in the post game of Georgia Tech's game last year, they said, you know, we're coming back and we're going to beat everybody. And then they did. Yeah, and then they absolutely uh, did. And so I, I've loved that storyline. This year has been a pretty meme year. Yep. And I'm just in full support of all the UGA memes. <laughs> and I've been following it all super closely. I've been on the subreddits for UGA and college football and just touting my team and cheering on all the all the stupid memes that we laugh at. And it's been my favorite sports season of probably any team I follow, really. I mean, I just loved it this year. It's been great. Um, so with all that in mind, if we do lose to Alabama, how how are you going to feel about this season in hindsight? I still think this is probably the best season I've ever seen us have. Yeah. Um, and it probably is the best season since at least the 80s that we've had as a team. Because, um, you know, we've won a couple FC championships, none of which I really followed. Cause like I said, I was a little too young to really watch those. But I think this is probably barring that 1980 championship season. Even if we lose, this will probably be the best season we've had. Um, and, you know, coming in, no one thought we were going to be this good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, I think that Vegas odds were at like nine games, nine wins. Yeah, I think we were um, projected I, to win, go nine and three. I think I picked 10. Um, so the fact that we have already won what we're, we won 13 now, 13 yep, and one, 13 and one. So, I mean, that just already defeated all expectations we had. So I'm, even if we lose this game, which is entirely possible, I am all for what we did this year. And I'm on the Kirby smart hype train for Kirby the smart next hype train. Absolutely. So other narrative being pushed around is, that Georgia is most likely or has a very good chance of becoming the next Alabama in the SEC and smart will be the next Saban, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have any opinions or thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I think so from a standpoint in that we could win year in year out and that we will be a force for the next several years. I agree with that, that we should be able to compete for national championships Um, The one thing I don't like about that is I feel like it kind of takes away from Kirby Smart's accomplishments. Mm -hmm. That it just says, you know, Kirby Smart is just a protege of Nick Saban, and really Nick Saban taught him, and he's only good because Nick Saban taught him to be good and that kind of thing. And from that standpoint, I don't like it because Kirby Smart's always been a good coach. A lot of the reason that Nick Saban has been so successful as he has is that he had Kirby Smart recruiting for him and being his defensive coordinator. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, he's been around for the entirety of his time at Alabama, I believe. He was the defensive coordinator up until two years ago. Yep. He followed him every uh, last nine years or four nine yeah, years now. So, so I think that I get what they're saying. 
and I like that people are agreeing that Georgia is here and arrived, um, but I don't want people saying that to say to take away from Kirby Smart's ability to build a football team because I think I think he's probably he might be the best coach we've ever had. I know he's only been here two years, but I mean you look at Dooley, he won a national championship, but he also had some bad years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know Kirby Smart. Twenty years from now, we might look back and say he was the best coach we ever had. I hope so. That'd be very exciting. I hope so too. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, all of your your charts you've done. You mentioned uh, the the subreddit for college football a minute ago, but you spent a lot of the postseason talking about all the bowl games, and then you you had a, a sort of a very simple formula by I think your own admission, uh, just based off S and P plus, that you kind of tried to predict all of the games in the postseason. So. Will you kind of share what it is you did? And I'll probably link the the final post in the the show notes here so people can kind of see what it is you're talking about. But kind of walk us through what happened there and, and what you found out through your experiment. Yeah, so I just – it actually started out I was going to predict the Rose Bowl game. Um, and so I came up with a super simple, not especially statistically rigorous formula whereby I just plotted each team's performances – um, in the regular season, and the plot was the opponent's S&P plus ranking and points scored and points allowed. Mm-hmm. So you get two different graphs, and it would just be, you know, if this team had a really good S&P plus, they might have scored less. If they had a bad, they might have scored more and vice versa. Um, and just kind of get a formula, a linear regression, super basic, that would predict any team's score based on their opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I did that, I just kind of did it on my own at first, and it spit out 37-31 UGA for that Rose Bowl game. Yeah. And so looking at I said I thought that kind of was what I really thought it would be about before doing this um, little experiment. That's about what I would have guessed the score would have been. Mm-hmm. And so I just posted it and said, you know, this is what this basic method came up with, and I think it's about right, you know, tell me what you think. And it was, most people kind of agreed with it as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought that it should be maybe flipped, but they kind of thought it made sense. And uh, several people asked that I do some other bowl games. And so this only took me maybe 15 or 20 minutes per game, so I went through and started doing them um, and just tracking the results for every single bowl game. Um, and so I got through see here, I got through the sun bowl, which is a little more than halfway through. And I finally just, I got tired of doing them because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had probably done about 20 of them and I was getting tired of doing them. So I just went ahead and just did all the rest without individual posts about uh-huh. them. I just did my prediction. Um, and now we're all every game, but the national championship we've done, um, and the final results is I picked 54% of the winners correctly, mm-hmm. which generally would not be very good. But this year, bowl season was pretty crazy, as it often is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the favorite actually only won 50% of the games. Gotcha. So that's a little bit ahead of what you would t- typically get yeah. based on like a flip, for example. Um, and then this, I was 55% against the spread. So... Not Maybe bad. not great, but that, that'll get you money in the yeah. long run. So I was pretty happy with how it came out with. You know, uh, it wasn't some magic formula that predicted every game, but it kind of 
beat Vegas. So mm-hmm. I was kind of it was actually turned out a little bit better than I thought it would yeah. based off the fact that it took me about ten minutes to come up with the method. <laughs> Not such a bad experiment, yeah. With uh, not at all based off very little research. <laughs> um, so, with all that being said, what do you want to see in this game coming up, and what do you inversely expect to see? I think that this is going to be a defensive battle, exactly the opposite of the Oklahoma game. I don't think there's anyone out there that thinks this is going to be a 50 to 48 game or whatever. Um, I think that Alabama's defense is the best defense in football. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they showed that in the Clemson game that Clemson couldn't score anything. I think the Alabama defense outscored the Clemson offense, I believe. Yep. Or at least or at least match them. Um, this Alabama defense is very, very good. Um, conversely, though, I don't think their offense is that great. Um, I mean, it's not bad. It's not, like, you know, below average or anything. But I don't think that they're elite. And I think that we can shut them down um, hopefully better than we shut down Oklahoma's offense. Yeah, for sure. We hope so. Um, but I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I want Georgia to win badly. I don't know if they will. I think it really might as well just be a coin flip right now. The Oklahoma game, I thought we were going to win. I believe we were. Um, this one, I really think it's going to be tough, and I think it might just be a coin flip. Yeah. So do you have a prediction for the game? Are you prepared to share your score prediction? It hurts me. So, you know, I want Georgia to win, but, you know, Harry raised me to be a pessimistic fan. <laughs> um, so I'm, I will say that this same method that I used all season predicted a 23-15 Alabama win. Okay. Um, and so just to kind of cover my bases, I'll stick with that just because that way if I'm wrong, I'm happy. But if I'm right, at least I was right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think Alabama's defense is really good. Yeah. And I think it might stop us. It might stop our running game in a lot of the ways that Auburn's defense did in that first game. But with your with your Disney dog ears, what we like to call our Disney dog ears, what, in a perfect world, what would uh, a Georgia win look like to you? A Georgia win would look like that – that injured Alabama defense because their linebackers are still a little beat up that they just can't keep up with the 17 running backs that we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we still run for 200 plus our defense, you know, keeps their pass game under control. Cause I think that's their weakest aspect is that pass game. Cause they have some pretty good running backs as well. And their quarterback can run. Um, so I think an ideal world if everything goes to my greatest sports dreams, we probably win 28 to 14 and all four touchdowns come from Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Oh yeah. I like that. Awesome. Well, that's all I got for you. Um, but yeah, cool. this is where I, I thank you for taking time out of your day and sit down and talk with us. Um, yeah, I was busy, you know? Yeah. You're so busy doing whatever you do. Um, well, yeah, tomorrow I'll be in Midtown uh, for work. That's where I work. And so I'm taking a half day. Yeah. I heard that Nathan Deal shut be- the city down, right, at like 2.30? I might as well have. I don't know if it's been a real thing, but it's going to be a nightmare. So I'm going in at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to get out of there by 11, 11.30 if I can. Okay. 
I'm going to head to Snellville and watch it with my pops. Terry. It's like I've watched every single game this year I've watched with him, so we're going to keep that going. And hopefully we come out to win, man. I'm, I'm excited. Even if we don't make it, I'm excited. Yep. And I'm rooting for the dogs till the day I die. So. All right, man. Well, good talking to you, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I'll see you later. All right, bye. Hello. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Hey, pretty good. good. Let me move to a quiet room. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A couple of questions I was going to uh, ask you was, uh, yeah. were you, um, would you cut out, if I go blank and say the S word on no. the TV? <laughs> yeah, I want you to feel as comfortable as you, as you can. It doesn't matter. Uh, everything can be edited out. Everything can be... Um, bleeped if need be. We we have a a, a clean podcast, but uh, Nathan sometimes curses, and I have to censor him too. So, um, oh, okay. Well, I've I've uh, just listened to one of yours. So, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe part of the second one, because so I, I just found it, and I was just curious. I cuss, so that doesn't bother me, but it might not be appropriate. <laughs> no, you're. I want you to to be as much of you as you can be. Uh, that's super important. Can you hear me all right? Everything sounds good coming through? Yeah. Number one, is uh, is there a problem with me using it on speaker? No, not at all. Um, are you on speaker right now? Number two, it, yeah, I'm on speaker now. Okay. And number two, uh, if I end up coughing, I might have to stop and take some water. That's okay. Yeah, we can take okay. as long as we need to. And if you need to slow down or if you need to stop, that's all good. Um yep. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, you can do all those things. I don't think it'll take longer than 10 to 20 minutes uh, unless okay. you just want to keep telling stories. I am more than happy to, to keep listening because... Well, I don't know if that's part... You, obviously, you're going to have to leave me because I don't mm-hmm. have a clue what I would have that's interesting. <laughs> um, well, Nathan is definitely the, the more stats-driven, like modern-day uh, football host mm-hmm. and personality of the show. And I am much more, I like to know the history of the programs. I like to know about like the intangibles and kind of what it's like being a fan or what it's like in your instance. The reason why I wanted to interview you is because you grew up near Tuscaloosa. You have a tie to the school. Um, you probably have memories growing up in that time. Um, I know you, you, when did you go to uh, Alabama actually? Uh, 1953. Awesome. So, yeah. Started in the fall of 1953. Okay. Before I get into um, into that, because that's that's definitely something I want to hear about, I'll kind of give you an overview of what I wanted to talk about. Um, okay. It'll all still be tied back to football in a way, but the overarching theme is definitely going to be more so just Tuscaloosa and kind of your growing up there and how you've seen it grow and how I'm trying to draw parallels between how well like Bear Bryant and Nick Saban and just the, the Alabama football program have definitely affected Tuscaloosa and how it's grown and how you can what you can attribute to that growth um, based off the football program. And I, I definitely think there are ties, uh, but I, I mostly want to hear about your experience growing up there and what you saw and, and if there was anything you could draw from directly from the football program, um, whether it's the, the college's beliefs and philosophies that affected the, the surrounding communities and areas, or um, you saw a, a huge influx of people coming into the school that affected the communities, that sort of thing. So what I'm going to end up doing is just kind of leading you with questions and, and kind of I'll pick as you go. Um, 
kind of as you tell stories, I'll probably pick things out of your answers to try and keep the the conversation going. Um, okay, so first off, um, uh, I do want to ask um, you to introduce yourself. I want to say uh, just who you are and where you come from and, and what is your tie to this whole thing um, based off what we pretty much just talked about, I guess. Okay. Uh, uh, my name is Sarah Grace Davis Huff. I was born and raised in a little town called Moundville, Alabama at, uh, in 1935. Um, it's about 12 miles out of Tuscaloosa, and Tuscaloosa is where we went for most everything, medical care, etc. I uh, finished high school there in 1953 and uh, entered nursing at Druid City Hospital in 1953. The first year of, uh, of that was spent at the University of Alabama. I did not graduate from there, uh, but I did get a, a, a finish my degree here in, uh, in Georgia. Very cool. Um, where, where in Georgia did you finish your degree? Oglethorpe University when I was 45. Um, I'm a retired nurse with 50-something years' experience there, uh, some in Alabama, mostly in Georgia, and I've been here since 1958. So I sort of have two homes, Yeah. with Alabama being my birth home and my friends and family there, and that's where I'll be buried, and Georgia being, I've lived here what now, 50-something years? Mm-hmm. So you, you've seen both sides of the that, that border, of course. You said you guys used to go into, you and your family used to go into Tuscaloosa for everything. So I imagine maybe some of that must have been football. Did you guys uh, ever go into Tuscaloosa to see football games live or anything? Or was your family really big into football or, or how was that? Okay. I, bottom line is my uh, uh, we, were, we were very poor, didn't know we were poor. Um, my dad's dream was to have been able to go to college and play football and uh, so I grew up, we grew up in a football atmosphere, not with my mother, but with my dad. The little town only had about 900 people, so the church and the school was uh, social. The primary thing in that period of time in Alabama, and probably still is, is football. Uh, it was, uh, you know, even the cheerleaders had to take classes in uh, know enough about football to understand. At least when I was a senior, we did. And when I was a cheerleader, we did. Um, I, I don't. I, I can't tell you. Um, we we could not afford to go to Alabama when I was in high school, etc. My dad would go occasionally. Um, I, I went started going, of course, when I got grown, and certainly when I married. And so we would, we, I'm not sure how much of that you want me to pursue. Oh, keep going. No, this is great. Okay, so we, we followed it. We had family there. We went back even after we moved here at least once a month or once over six weeks. Uh, you've heard me tell stories about being at a party with Joe Namath. Yep. <laughs> from a hole in the wall. Uh-huh. So I'm certainly not trying to claim any anything. Uh, I've heard Steve Sloan speak. We would... Uh, go to some Alabama games, but maybe one or two a year. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as you got older and, and we the Falcons came here, we became Falcon fans. And But we've always followed Alabama. Yeah. Um, I, that's just, uh, it's like a integral part of me. Yeah, it's definitely a, a part of who you are and, and why you're, you're who you are today. 
I did want to go back and talk about, I imagine being an Alabama fan and growing up in Alabama, you remember a lot of Bear Bryant. Do you, is there anything, any memories you have of, of Bear Bryant being a kind of an integral part of just Alabama society and, and that sort of thing? Or is there anything you remember that's super important? Yeah, I, I, I'm, it would probably be more hearsay. Bear Bryant, I had to actually go back and double-check my dates because I'm so old I couldn't remember them. <laughs> Bryant actually came to Tuscaloosa, according to the Googling, in <laughs> 58 as I was moving to Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but, but football was still talked about constantly, mm-hmm. and we still got the papers from down there, and we still went to the games when we could go, and... And we would go to certain parties, just like I mentioned the particular one with Namath, um, because the families, not necessarily mine, I think that was my husband's family, that would have parties for the football teams. And and usually we would be involved to some extent there. Um, I, I think looking back, and this is more about football, but I think Bear Bryant personified it is it was a very poor area, cotton farming, in depression and coming out of the depression. And Bear Bryant was the one, if you remember his story about wrestling a bear, mm-hmm. <laughs> never wanting to go back to pick cotton. Yep. Uh, uh, he, you know, he, was, he strove uh, or strived to be um, uh, successful in anything he did because he'd been in the cotton patch. Mm-hmm. Oh, we came out of a cotton patch. My dad was uh, sharecropper until I was about six years old when we moved into the little town. Uh-huh. So all of that was a, a, a what? A something somebody was winning. Uh, Alabama uh, football team, the university put Alabama on the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my dad's time, it was the time when they went to the Rose Bowl. And, and don't ask me the date. I can't remember yeah, that. Yeah, that's okay. So that was um, something they could look up to and something they could strive for. And I grew up in that sort of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Knowing that there was a way out, essentially. Yeah, yeah, for people that that were hard-scrabbled and worked hard, yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a a little bit further away from the the crux of everything, but I I have seen, and what I understand, Bear Bryant was definitely exactly what you described. He was was a sort of hero. He was like an everyman's hero. Um, Everybody could look up to Bear Bryant, and he came from where a lot of people who the the average person in Alabama came from as well, which was essentially nothing. On the other side of that coin, I feel like there was uh, a sort of antagonist throughout uh, it was probably the 60s and 70s. Uh, there was a governor, George Wallace. Do you remember much about George Wallace being the governor at the time? I know you weren't yeah. in Alabama. I, yeah, I could tell you about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I wanted to hear a bit more about George Wallace. And I know Bear Bryant had his own opinions because uh, he was trying to uh, – this is in the late 60s. And believe it or not, those of us uh, – we have a lot of young listeners. We have all sorts of different listeners too, but a lot of people won't – We'll probably find it surprising that in the late '60s, you know, college football was still very much not desegregated. And oh, absolutely! I mean, we were totally. Yeah, I can tell you whatever you want to know about that. Yeah, for several reasons. Okay, well, let's see. We were totally uh, segregated. I grew up in uh, segregated times. We were segregated. We didn't have football players. I remember all the 
stories that went around when the first black player was recruited, and I'm not sure, but that was Bear Bryant, wasn't it? It was, yeah. There was some there were some players in like California, but Bear Bryant was definitely the the big one that was recruiting the first black players. Correct. That was a, a tough time. As far as Wallace, uh, yes, uh, I had already moved to Atlanta by then, but my uh, father ran his campaign in the county that I was from. Oh, wow, Hell- really? My sister sang in a quartet that, that followed Wallace uh-huh. when uh, he was in Hell County. By that time, I was, what, seeing more of the world and changing? Mm-hmm. Although I never, uh, um, my memories of things like uh, Woolsworth and uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard the stories about how they integrated Woolsworth and integrated the university. And um, I was always the one that was opposed to the segregation. Yeah. Where were, before you go on, I was curious, what, how many siblings did you have and which one were you in that? Uh, oh, okay. I'm the oldest. You are the born oldest. Born in 1935. Okay. I'm all, I'll be 83 in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister was six years younger than me, and my brother was 15 young, years younger than me. Okay. I, I only asked just because I wanted to know if you were the rebel, or were you the youngest rebel, or you were just the one kind of leading the charge, or what? <laughs> rebel trying to get the hell out of my own bowl. You'll have to answer that. <laughs> Um, I did want to talk. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm dead right about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I have no problem with you saying that. Um, ask me some more questions. You were talking a little bit about Woolsworth and kind of uh, desegregating the college and integrating the college uh, and the university and whatnot. Do you have any more to talk about that? Sure, I can do either one. I remember as a little girl when I was. Uh, going to Woolsworth and having lunch was always a real treat that everybody remembered uh, when they went to Tuscaloosa to go shopping. And it wasn't that we didn't have stores. We we just were a little town. We had not about 900 people then. Uh, up to about 3,000 now, so it's like a bedroom community primarily for Tuscaloosa. Um, I remember the uh, little black girl that was standing behind me, and I would ask my mother, why couldn't she sit down like we did? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't she have a drink of water? And, of course, you got hushed. You know, it was shh sort of thing. And uh, was not talked about. Uh, nobody would answer you when you were a kid. As far as the university being, um, I sort of got the Georgia integration and the Alabama mixed up in my head, so I, I I can't remember the exact date, but I think Arthur and Lucid was uh, Georgia, wasn't she? I'm not real sure of my names and my facts, but my memory is that it was a horrible uh, period of time that my when we would go home, my father would be telling us, don't go out in the street at this time, don't go around the university at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one little tidbit is that when I married, we actually, my husband and I actually lived in a little apartment four blocks from the university. Oh, wow. And the, the hospital itself was about four to six blocks from the university. Mm-hmm. So uh, my entire uh, adult life from 18 to, oh, when I moved to Georgia in 58 was in that um, that close. Um, 
I, I remember mostly the talk, of course, you know, of being staying away and it was going to be riots. And were um, there were there ever riots that you saw? Uh, you know, I can't tell you that. Uh, mostly, I'm not sure how much I remember uh-huh. or how much I was told. Uh, I don't remember any riots, but there were a lot of bad things that happened. There yeah. were a lot of churches that were burned. There was a lot of the hush-hush stuff. There was a lot of rumors about the uh, Ku Klux Klan and the uh, or the White Citizens Group that came along. Uh, uh, when you were a teenager and a kid, you just weren't. You heard it, and knew it, but you didn't know who it was or what it was. Uh, you know, the word would just go out. It was just hearsay, necessarily. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it would come from my family uh-huh. and from my friends. So, with all that in mind, I know that it's. It's always really neat to hear from somebody, um, especially somebody from a different generation, that I, I regard you as somebody having rather liberal views. Um, and I, I think that you would probably consider yourself mostly the same way. But to to also have grew, grown up and lived in Alabama and still have liberal views and be a part of a di- different generation, I think it's pretty astounding. And how would you say you kind of escaped that, what's the word I'm looking for, um, echo chamber of uh, just a different world. How did you escape that world and how did you stay away and and how did you foster that within yourself? Well, number one, you asked me if I was considered a rebel and yes, I was always considered a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I questioned uh, much more than was appropriate, considered appropriate at that time. Uh-huh. Um, it bothered me that we had a segregated black floor in nursing school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, frequently, I was sent down uh, to start IVs or to, to do things. Uh, uh, it bothered me that I couldn't go to a black friend's graduation. It was forbidden. It bothered me that even in 1980 when my father died and the guy who was probably his best friend came to the, uh, came to the back door. Mm-hmm. My sister and I invited him both in and had a cup of coffee with him and stayed in touch with him. But that was, uh, even in 1980, was uh, forgotten in Moundville. Mm-hmm. This, that description shares some of the, my passion. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how I changed. You just I did. Mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't, my biggest problem now is, and I talk about this with the lady that I'm good friends with, because she grew up black in Louisiana, and I grew up white in the middle of Alabama and George Wallace, and, you know, um, I don't know. We were just different. Actually, I was the only liberal. Yes, I do consider myself a liberal, probably a little more moderate, but yeah. uh, uh, the only one out of my family. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, all, uh, you know, people that turned Republican during the Civil Rights era. Mm-hmm. era. Even right now, uh, my best friend that I go to visit once a year uh, in Alabama uh, is feels the same way I do. She can't talk to anybody in her family. Yeah. Was that ever an issue for you growing up? Did your family ever get upset with you, or did you guys just decide to... No. no? If I had to look back, my biggest concern with myself was I didn't do anything didn't protest. I didn't, of course, we didn't do that then. Yeah. But I, it was a different time, yeah. 
Yeah, it was a different time. Now I've had lots of ex- chances and experiences this, since then, and I've uh, and I've taken them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You grow into it, you know. You, yeah, yeah. What makes you what you are? It's just hard to know. It's true. Uh, you look back and you realize who you are, rather than sometimes. I mean, very occasionally, I guess, in the moment, you realize who you are. But I feel like oftentimes you look back and realize you may have been that way the whole time or you were a little bit different than you may have perceived yourself. Who knows? Well, I'm uh, correct. Yeah. Correct. And uh, and you're right. I think it might become a little more clear when you get older. Yeah. You're able to articulate it more. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, being in Atlanta, I worked with just all sorts of people. Yeah. From every country and every ethnic group and after... We all bleed red. I always laugh and say that I was an operating room nurse, and when you cut them open, we all bleed red. That's true. Uh, I wanted to ask you also, so the last question about kind of where you grew up, but how would you imagine you would have been different had you grown up elsewhere, you think? Would you have been different, or would it have kind of played out the same way, you think? That's interesting. Oh, gosh, I'd have to think about that. Uh, Maybe I would have had different opportunities. But, no, I don't think it would change what I believe about man. Yeah. Or mankind. I definitely or I write. No, I don't think it would. It might have, uh, I might not have been such a rebel and considered such a weirdo and <laughs> sort of the outcast of the family. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, does that sound weird? No, that's perfect. That's great. That makes sense. Totally. Um and I guess uh, the one last question I got for you uh, would be, I, I imagine it is a late game, uh, but are you going to be watching the national championship game tomorrow night? Absolutely, if I can stay away. Yeah, <laughs> it is a late game. Yep. Uh, as much as I love Alabama, I have to confess that sometimes I drift off. <laughs> yep, yep. Somebody will say, well, how can you like them when they lose? And that's, you know, it. we all lose sometimes. Mm-hmm. We all win. Sometimes, and uh, and I love my football. I just always have. Uh, I used to go to baseball games with my mother-in-law because she loved baseball, and I would carry a library book uh-huh. to read, and she would just go ape. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so slow that I said I could read a chapter before they walked up to bat again. <laughs> football was just what we grew up with. That was a social thing, and. Mm-hmm. and you know, I like it. The boys played football in the little league, and uh, you know, I, I knew some of the, or or met or heard or watched, and I followed Kenny Stabler. I was, oh, and it was Bart Starr. Uh, I have to correct. I was in high school. Bart Starr was a senior. Okay. The year I finished high school, and I don't. We won a single game that year, if I remember. <laughs> and he ended up Green Bay. Yep, I think so. Yep. Yeah, so we went to some games that year from high school. But, uh, anything else? Do you have, uh, I guess your prediction is that you think Alabama will win on Monday, but do you have a score prediction by chance, or are you just going to let it ride? Actually, I'm going to surprise you. I don't really have a prediction because I think Georgia's really come along um, surprisingly well, and even on Facebook I had written this thing, congratulations, and that I pulled farm when they were uh, uh, playing Oklahoma, mm-hmm. 
It was Oklahoma. Did I get that right, or did my short-term memory kick in? No, that's right. <laughs> but, but, and I congratulated them, but then I said, here's where we split, boys, because I have to pull for Tide now. But, um, no, I think at any one time, any team can win. That uh, there's a, I think Alabama might have a little bit of edge because uh, Saban was the master. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, he's never been beat by anybody that he's mentored. That's true. Always a first time. It could be Kirby. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby's made a fantastic run in Georgia. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I think many of the people that I know would just tickled to death to see uh, Alabama play Georgia. Absolutely. We we think that's like the icing on the cake. <laughs> uh, I hope Alabama will win. I certainly will pull for them. But um, I won't be sick at my stomach if Georgia wins. Yeah, you, you've seen a enough wins, people, right? A lot of people won't like that sort of that sort of feeling, but it's a game, and you can always come back and play again. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me this morning, Sarah. This has been really special, and I appreciate it a lot. Well, you're just welcome, and I hope it's something you can use out of there. I I guarantee you it will be, and I'll let you know when it goes up. So if you'd like to listen to it, you may. I do, and Caitlin wants to listen to it. Okay. I, I asked her about Smack this morning. She <laughs> said, no, nah, no, nah, Smack is talking trash about the thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I said, well, I couldn't get Justin to tell me that. I forgot I could come ask him. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's got her finger on the pulse. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You have a good day. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Right, bye bye, Justin. Hey guys, thanks for listening. On behalf of Nathan and I both, we want to thank you for listening to all of the previews and reviews of this season. We will still have a review of the national championship game, win or lose, sometime later this week. And we will still be here in the off season, just a little bit less, probably every week. Diving deeper into stats, we'll probably do some more interviews from older fans and people who have seen a few generations go by. Uh, but we all have plenty of very special stuff in store for you guys, and I hope you stick around. And until then, as always, you can catch us in the Classic City. And until next time, go dogs.